Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken visited Saudi Arabia last week for three declared reasons to make sure the anti-Islamic state coalition maintains its important function to confer with the Gulf Cooperation Council and to improve the bilateral relations between Washington and Riyadh. His trip took place imminently after his APAC speech, in which he indicated the possibility of further steps on the road to Saudi-Israeli normalization, but cautioned that this long-expected development will first have to meet certain conditions. Blinken's visit was also held against the backdrop of diplomatic and commercial American competition with Russia, and especially with China, and though the Biden administration is vowing that there would be no Mideast vacuum to fill as the U.S. moves its top priorities elsewhere, China seems to already take advantage of the regional perceived readjustment of American intention. To analyze the latest in U.S.-Saudi relations, we're joined all the way from Washington, D.C. by Ambassador William Roebuck, who is the Executive Vice President of the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from Istanbul, Turkey, is a retired Brigadier General Mark Kimmet, who's the, a former Assistant Secretary of State for Political Military Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, General. Also joining us here in uh, our studio in Jerusalem is uh, retired Colonel Dr. Iran Lehrman, who is the co-host of TV7's Middle East Review and Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. It's good to have you, as well as uh, Mr. Amir Oren. TV7's editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk and uh, so many other of our productions. Mr. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest pertaining to particularly U.S.-Saudi relations. So, uh, obviously, here in Israel, uh, what got top billing was the um, possibility of uh, normalization in the the Israeli-Saudi relationship. And uh, there was one passage in uh, Blinken's uh, speech Um, Monday, a week ago, um, in which he said that this is a national interest uh, of the United States to get stability and normalization. However, um, it is not um, going to happen in the uh, immediate uh, future. And um, from the American perspective, China is much more important, as is uh, now the norm. It is called the uh, pacing Uh, competitor. The question is, is it the camel's pace Mm -hmm. uh, in the desert, um, uh, in the sand? Um, And uh, the Saudis, of course, um, are quite proficient in the arts of the bazaar. They have timed the opening or reopening of the Iranian embassy uh, to coincide with uh, Blinken's uh, visit to show that they have uh, their room for maneuver. Now, the Chinese as well as the Russians, are not bothered by questions uh, such as um, values, um, human uh, interest, uh, Mohammed bin Salman's uh, records uh, in these fields. And the Americans are also interested in the price of oil, in the uh, huge uh, deal that Boeing signed with the Saudis uh, to the tune of some 37 
billion dollars. So all in all, uh, it's a mixed bag. Um, it's perhaps uh, too uh, soon. It's premature to say whether the Blinken visit um, uh, was fruitful. We'll see in the next uh, few weeks. Ambassador Robeck, uh, I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on on the latest developments pertaining to U.S.-Saudi relations, considering also the fact, and I remember uh, a conversation I had after uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken decided to revocate uh, the listing of Ansar Allah, the Houthi uh, militia from the list of uh, terrorist organizations, uh, after which I had a brief conversation with a Saudi official who told me that uh, this term is going to be a term uh, which will raise a lot of questions about this relationship. Uh, are the questions answered at this stage? Thank you, Jonathan. I think overall uh, relations uh, between Saudi Arabia and the United States are improving. I think they went through a difficult um, period. Um, I think the Biden visit last uh, late last summer uh, helped improve uh, the situation. But then the um, OPEC plus uh, decision about uh, oil production in October, just before the elections, um, really um, created some friction. But since then, uh, there have been a number of high level uh, U.S. visits to Saudi Arabia. I think they're working the visit uh, very hard. Uh, Brett McGurk, National Security uh, Council, has visited several times, often with uh, Amos Hochstein uh, on energy issues. Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, was just out there uh, earlier this month. And um, Secretary Blinken, of course, visited. Uh, you know, taking all of that together, um, they're, they're working the, the visit hard. Um, there's some progress being made on um, the Yemen issue with a, a ceasefire that's been in effect for 15 months. And they um, the Saudis respect and like the, the U.S. Special Envoy, Tim Linder King, um, and they, they believe that there's some, some progress being, being made to help uh, them extricate from, from that situation. Um, it's not all uh, roses, of course. Um, there are some, some frictions that continue. Some of it is uh, congressional. Congress is very focused on human rights in Saudi Arabia. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it develops. Um, on the uh, Israel side, uh, as um, your colleague mentioned, uh, there, there is a lot of effort on the U.S. to, to push this normalization forward between Saudi Arabia and um, Israel. But it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not according to uh, Secretary Blinken in his speech uh, at, at APAC last week. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fast. But it is in the national security interest of the United States, and they're going to push it forward. Thank you. General Kimmett? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Ambassador Roebuck. I think this really has uh, to go back to the time when President Obama uh, pretty much pulled the string on allowing Mubarak to fall. There was a sense from that point that America was, and to this day, is an unreliable ally. Uh, so I don't envy the, the diplomatic community who has to go in and convince uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, but the Gulf in general, that they can count on the United States when we make policy pronouncements such as the pivot to China. Uh, yes, it's true that the administration says we will not allow any vacuum to be filled by those uh, who will be working against our interests, 
But on a day-to-day basis, we've got to recognize that perception is not, facts can't change perceptions. Um, Just over time, perceptions have to be changed by experience. Uh, But in light of all that, I think it's important to recognize that uh, probably the most consistent engagement, unfortunately, is not done by the State Department on a day-to-day basis, but it's done by CENTCOM. Uh, It's those CENTCOM people that are out in assigned in the countries and assigned to CENTCOM that are constantly working, persistent engagement, uh, where this whole situation has to be reaffirmed, affirmed and reaffirmed every day that America is not going anywhere. The very Mm -hmm. fact that we use terms like we have less of a presence or less of a capability in in the Gulf right now is just the, the facts don't substantiate that. You no longer mm-hmm. count presence by boots on the ground, but by throw weight, which can be delivered. And candidly, the throw weight through our air forces, through our naval forces, and through our ground forces is treble the capability we had at the height of our boots on the ground. So I don't envy the diplomatic community. I hope that Secretary Blank can make some progress. I don't think that he will make as much progress as he wants to. Uh, because once you've left the party, it's always hard to get yourself invited back. But I certainly hope and I wish them well. But this is a multi-year project. And unfortunately, that project could very well come to a halt uh, in the elections in 18 months from now. I think one point that is uh, very important, and we discussed this uh, in the past general commit, uh, is that, that there's a lack, uh, as you mentioned, CENTCOM taking the lead, uh, the Department of Defense, rather than having the State Department take the lead with a whole-of-government approach, with interagency cooperation uh, in a, a, a more robust manner that would convince uh, the Gulf Arab uh, states in the region to truly uh, rely on the United States and feel comfortable in that reliance. Uh, Dr. Lehman, when Israel looks at, at this, obviously uh, Israel uh, has a different relationship with the United States considering the fact that uh, it, it does see uh, America as the strategic backbone uh, of Israel uh, in many various levels. To what degree is the relationship, ultimately also within the context of the Abraham Accords, for instance, uh, really an important tool in order to ensure also regional stability? Well, we come to it from a very different angle than the Saudis. Uh, The Saudis ultimately depended upon an American umbrella for their survival in a hostile environment. We depend on American supplies, on American, uh, the aid package or the uh, foreign military financing package, but we intend to take care of our own needs at the moment of uh, of crisis. What has changed, and I I fully agree with with General Kimmett, is that CENTCOM now is a very different organization. And for the last two years, Israel happens to be the most significant military partner in the CENTCOM AOR, which wasn't the case. I mean, we were (coughs) uh, uh, useful, but essentially marginal partners for UCOM. We are a core capacity for CENTCOM. And, that, and of course, the, Saudi, the fact that we can be there at all is a testament to the Saudis' willingness to have us around the table, uh, the CENTCOM table. And, and the Abraham Accords, of course, uh, paved the way, but, but the, the Abraham Accords also, certainly with Bahrain, probably with the UAE, would not have happened if it wasn't something that the Saudis smiled upon. 
So this is the foundational uh, element that has changed. The question of whether uh, the United States diplomacy can actually translate this into uh, an, uh, moving from under the table. I used to say that the, the cr most crowded place in the Middle East is under the table. Um, let, let's, if it can move from under the table to above table, that's a challenge. There are baby steps already happening. There's a discussion on Hajj flights from Israel to Saudi Arabia. Uh, all of us who've been in the business know that 10 years ago, this was science fiction. Uh, Israeli businessmen are all over Neom. The chairman of our biggest bank spoke at the IFF conference. Uh, they, these are, uh, happens to be an Arab, but doesn't matter. He is an Israeli. Uh, these things are, are straws in the wind, but they, it's not going to happen overnight. With that being said, Mr. Oren, China is trying to tackle uh, the, the perception, at least, uh, that the United States is leaving the region, uh, something that, as uh, we just heard, obviously is not the case, considering the fact that the strategic tools are quite available to the United States. Well, the uh, new line um, at the Pentagon as uh, being uh, broadcast all over is that uh, it is not as if uh, CENTCOM um, is now uh, secondary to uh, the, to Indo-PACOM, Indo for instance. It is the fact that within CENTCOM, Afghanistan and Iraq are not as important, but other arenas, such as the Gulf, are still important. And if we, we Americans, we Americans, we Saudis, um, can get Yemen to keep its ceasefire, then we have enough uh, resources to take care of the problems. And there is this uh, uh, double standard. Uh, are we in favor of Iran and Saudi Arabia's rapprochement? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because it means that uh, Saudi Arabia is not going to be a partner and ally in the fight um, against Iran. And as for China, the United States, mm -hmm is visiting China's back door. China is doing the same. It's a double envelopment. It goes to the Middle East. Uh, Ambassador uh, Roebuck, uh, there is a difference between uh, reaching agreements and implementing them. That's what we heard from CENTCOM Commander General Mark, uh, Michael Carrillo on several occasions. Uh, is the transformation of Saudi attitude towards the Islamic Republic of Iran a point of concern to U.S. relations with Saudi Arabia in this uh, uh, aspect? Or is there a parallel uh, dimension here that uh, is being exhausted? I think there was uh, probably a bit of heartburn that the Chinese uh, led this uh, deal, that they brokered it mm -hmm. for the uh, Saudis and the uh, Iranians. Um, overall, I think... Um, Although the United States, of course, has uh, very difficult relations with Iran, I think the general view in Washington is uh, is supportive of uh, de-escalation. Um, and I think um, this effort by uh, Saudi Arabia to reestablish diplomatic ties, something they had until 2016, overall, I don't think it has caused uh, too much uh, heartburn. The, the Emiratis and the Omanis did the same thing last um, late last summer. Um, 
so I think you know they, they the U.S. supports this um, effort at, at de-escalation. So we'll see you know how it plays out. But uh, that's that's my sense of, of uh, the way things are, are going on in terms of relations with with Iran. The broader picture of uh, the, the situation with Iran, the the talks on um, the Joint Comprehensive Peace Agreement, the JICPOA uh, negotiations have broken down. I think the United States has made clear that um, it will prevent. Um, Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. It believes the best way to do that is through uh, diplomacy, um, deterrence, and, and economic pressure. And that's the policy that the, the U.S. is pursuing uh, with regard to um, Iran in general. I'll revert to the, the matter of uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, but I'd like to ask you, you used the term heartburn when it comes to uh, China. Uh, just last week, we saw uh, both uh, the foreign minister of uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the foreign minister of the Emirates, and uh, the foreign minister of Saudi Arabia in Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, joined together under Chinese and Russian leadership uh, for the BRICS summit. Uh, to what degree do you, do you see this as a bad turn of events, so to speak, uh, something that uh, I'm sure the United States, uh, particularly last week, Blinken had uh, some discussions on this with uh, his Saudi counterparts. I do think that uh, the the relationship with uh, China is uh, is problematic in the in the Middle East um, with, with Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I mean, the general view in Washington is uh, trade relations are, are fine. Um, and the countries like the Saudis, the Emiratis, I think what the United States is telling them is that on certain things, um, we're not saying you need to choose between us or between the, the Chinese, uh, but on, on things like military cooperation. Uh, if you do certain things with the Chinese, it's going to close uh, opportunities with the United States, and you will have to make a decision as to whether you you want to do that. I think the, the Saudis, in particular, have been very careful about that. I don't think they have done things with the Chinese that uh, close off um, options, including uh, you know military uh, training, military equip equipping type options, technology uh, with the United States. I think uh, the, the Saudis have been pretty careful about that. You know, more broadly, you know, there is a movement in the Middle East towards uh, multipolarity. Uh, some call it, some call it strategic diversification. I think the the Saudis, the the Emiratis, and others are are using this approach um, partially because they're not totally convinced, as as uh, as General Clement said about uh, the U.S. Um, prioritizing the region. I think we are, and I think we're, we're there to stay, but I don't think that message has gotten out clearly to, to these countries in the Gulf. So they are diversifying their partnerships. And I think this has um, the potential to create some friction with the United States. I think we're managing the competition with, with China. I think in some ways the, the OPEC plus cooperation with Russia on oil production um, has actually created more friction or as as much friction as the uh, relationship with China. But in general, we're managing it. Uh, the U.S. is sending out regular high-level visits, as they did with Secretary Blinken. And um, I think the relationship with China, 
I mean, with uh, the the Saudis is still quite quite strong, despite whatever um, temporary vicissitudes that we go through with it. Indeed, uh, General Kim, obviously, you, you mentioned earlier uh, that under the Obama administration, there's a lot of resentment uh, among GCC nations uh, or leaders, particularly regarding uh, the way the United States under the Obama administration handled. Uh, the the coup in in Egypt and subsequently uh, we saw that transition and goes back also to uh, Ambassador uh, 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 Raybuck regarding uh, the famous statement by Foreign Minister Samir Shukri uh, after uh, under the Obama administration of course sanctioning Egypt and then he came out and said that we're not leaving all the eggs in one basket and started talking about Russia and China uh, to what degree do you see this still resonate? Uh, in dealings with the Saudis particularly, but also the other GCC members, and to what degree is this repairable at this stage? Well, I think I'll one thing, that in that region, uh, the point of the realm is strength and determination. Uh, it very well be that uh, the Chinese point to the Americans and say, look what they did in Afghanistan, uh, look what they've done elsewhere in terms of their commitment, say, their pivoting <clears throat> to the east. On the other hand, this administration can push to the point to the uh, su the support we've been giving Ukraine over the last uh, 14 months is a demonstration that we're standing behind our, our friends and our allies. Uh, in a perfect world, we would prefer to have diplomats take the lead. Uh, unfortunately, what we've done in the Middle East in general and Saudi Arabia in particular is almost militarize our, our, our diplomacy. I wish it wasn't the case. It's more important to have the diplomats maintain the strongest relationship. The Saudis, of course, respect strength. They re respect military power. And sadly, I think until we get to the day where the diplomats take the lead, we've got to accept that the strongest relationship is with the military, whether we like it or not. Of course, this is also a matter of policy because uh, uh, when we're talking about uh, U.S. foreign policy, at least from what we hear time and again, uh, diplomacy first. Uh, that has not genuinely being translated by who leads that diplomacy. Uh, but uh, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to have uh, a closing assessment and possibly also a recommendation for the leadership in, in Washington and in uh, Riyadh uh, at this stage. Uh, Dr. Lerman, we'll start with you. Quite quickly, I believe that uh, Iran is still at the core of Saudi concerns. And hedging via the Chinese initiative uh, does not alter their perception ultimately of Tehran as a threat. Therefore, a more resolute American posture vis-a-vis -vis Iran would be the most important contribution uh, to uh, the future of American-Saudi relations. Uh, for all uh, the uh, changes uh, which uh, the Middle East has seen over the last several decades, there is still the asymmetry between the military weakness of Saudi Arabia and its uh, financial uh, power. Uh, and the reverse, of course, uh, has always been true regarding Egypt and uh, Iraq and, and others. And the Saudis have uh, almost always paid protection money, um, whether to terror organizations or to others. And uh, one sort of uh, such uh, payment is their fear of how the Palestinians 
and their supporters will respond if they normalize their relations with Israel without the Palestinians uh, gaining something uh, at the same time, which is why the normalization must await some progress on the Israeli-Palestinian track. Ambassador Roba. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, two quick points. First, um, with regard to General Kemet's point about uh, the U.S. military taking the lead on diplomacy in the Gulf, I think that's largely true historically and also true today. But I think the Gulf countries are very comfortable with the U.S. military. Uh, they've been there a long time. They know the leaders. They know the, the programs that they need. And I, I think overall that's a, that's a net um, positive for us. Um, the, the diplomatic side is challenging. Um, the, the Saudis, what they've asked for, for example, with um, security um, in terms of, of uh, uh, normalization with Israel, they've asked for security guarantees, uh, help on the, a civilian nuclear program and arms sales. That's a heavy lift. Uh, the diplomats are going to have a challenge to try to, to do that on the U.S. side, um, but they're going to work hard uh, to make it happen. And there are other challenges. Um, um, as Colonel Lemmon said, uh, there's going to have to be some progress on the Palestinian track. Um, and the Saudis are going to also have to work some to um, bring the Saudi public along. Saudi public opinion is uh, not that supportive of normalization right now. So that's also going to be a challenge. But uh, it's a good mandate for the future. And let's see how, what kind of progress that can be made. Yes, sir. General Kimmett. Yeah, I think everybody agrees that uh, the situation in the, in the Gulf uh, is seeing more of a multipolar, more hedging behavior on the part of the countries in that region. Uh, we can either uh, surrender that or we can acknowledge it and leverage to our advantage. Uh, and I think the right way to do it is a complete strategic review of that region to figure out how we can take advantage of that. Or we're going to go back to that great James Mattis comment that... Uh, <laughs> If you don't give me more diplomat, better give me more ammunition. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Ambassador Roebuck, uh, General Kimmett, Colonel, and Dr. Of course, uh, Lerman and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank all the viewers at home as well. Until next time. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.